Welcome to Empowered, by women, for women. This podcast brings you inspirational women, their stories, their successes, and their experiences along the way. Join us to be challenged and inspired. Brought to you by Vintage and hosted by myself, Trudy Kerr. Today, I'm catching up with one remarkable lady who breaks just about every stereotype of what a woman should be. Iona Muscat started off her work life in building restoration with a huge passion for the heritage of Malta. However, in her late 20s, Iona changed her direction completely, signing up to train in Ireland as an army officer for the armed forces of Malta. Much loved and respected by her colleagues at the AFM, Iona excelled in her career here in Malta, but when the opportunity came to apply to be an AFM pilot, Iona jumped at the chance to relocate Italy to undergo her two-year training, due to graduate later this year. Iona is also an outstanding singer, a pianist, crazy about metal, having sung in the Maltese well-known extreme metal band Martrium, and notably is also a keen dog lover. Iona, hello! Hi, hello! Hello, wow. how are you? Fine, thank you. And you seem radiant. Well, thank you. <laughs> Such energy. <laughs> a lot of love in the room already. Yeah. Listen, Iona, I have to tell you something. Tell me. Researching you online has been a disaster. You are extremely <laughs> discreet. Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> Well, not if you're in my <laughs> shoes. Uh, you're very discreet in what can be found. But if you ask anyone who knows you, particularly my friends at the Armed Forces of Malta, everyone speaks incredibly highly of you. And it's obvious that you're extremely well loved. And I will say, that's where I've got my information from. Hmm, inside information. And you think you're safe at work, working <laughs> with your colleagues, colleagues humbly behind the gates? But yes, everybody, yes. everybody knows you, everybody speaks very highly of you. So uh, first up, I want to talk about your very first passion, and that is restoration and heritage. And then we're going to come to talk about what you're doing now. But it's obvious that you still have a passion for Maltese heritage and the buildings and restoration. How did this first career start? And where does that passion come from? Right. Well, where it comes from, I would say... You can't live in Malta, you can't be Maltese and not have some sort of, well, if, if not passion, perhaps some sort of love, some sort of fascination with the Maltese archaeology. Come on, we live in Malta. It's so, it's a privilege, I would say, to be, to be surrounded by so much heritage from all kinds of periods. And I just, I just felt that, you know, I was one of the lucky few who could, who could contribute but this isn't necessarily something that comes up in conversation with someone like myself who's a foreigner and Maltese because uh, you're absolutely right Malta has been the site of two world-changing sieges it also has the oldest freestanding buildings in the world uh, I myself have been walking around Malta and found Finally. incredible pieces of of history right there on the ground in front of you that's how lucky we are aren't we but <laughs> you, I would say you're probably one of the more unusual people in Malta because not everybody is as passionate about it or understands it as much as you do. So there must have been somewhere that this came from. Well, I believe maybe the passion 
comes at a later stage when you when you actually start researching it, start learning more about it. Perhaps you have to have that little bit of a flame before at school, for instance, when you start learning all the basics that there are. And then when you actually start giving that information to the public, I remember, I can't forget when I used to be a curator at Heritage Malta, I used to get these fascinating smiles and people getting, oh, when I give them the juicy details about something like a bit of, I don't know, part of the temple, a, a stone, for instance, which weighs the equivalent of five elephants. They wouldn't know about it, but saying that, putting it into a context which someone else can uh, can understand makes it all the much more interesting. And I think that's that's where it got me intrigued, you know, when I realized I could contribute in this way. Learning makes you more passionate about it. So, as I said, to actually get to that level, maybe you have to have that flame. And perhaps I just had it. I went into university studying French and archaeology and then that's where it, I decided I was straight into it head full full on head on and I decided this is what I want my career to be but I'm talking to you and you are vastly animated your eyes are sparkling <laughs> and I if I heard you tell me that this stone weighed the same as five elephants I would also be extremely excited exactly and so that's you, the point so you were a curator for Heritage Malta you had this you studied this you got passionate about this so then what happened in your 20s for you to take a completely different angle and pursue a career in a very different direction? Yes, I guess that is the problem of someone who tends to take leaps of faith, you know? I'm that kind of person. Unfortunately, and I have to say unfortunately, it sometimes comes to a decision where you have to leave something you love and you're not yet bored of and do something completely different just because the opportunity presents itself. And that's exactly what happened uh, with my work in the army. When I was studying uh, f- for, my, for my degree, for my archaeology degree and for my master's, I had already pondered about the idea of once joining the army. But what happens is that when you're continuing with your studies, you are growing older, and as you grow older, your your uh, your age limit gets closer your age gets closer to the age limit of being able to join the army back then because the the age limit was 25 years of age so you couldn't join the army if you're already 25 i was i was studying i was completing my studies and whatnot and it never it never really occurred to me seriously that I could consider this seriously. But you already had an interest. I, I had an interest. I always looked up to these people. I always admired their work. I always felt... Is, I this, is this because you had fr- friends and family members in the armed forces or just because you had an interest? Not at all. I never had anyone who was very close to me but who was uh, who was in the army before so this was this was pretty much a new experience and then very late in my 20s i encountered this this friend i was i was um very close to to a friend of mine who had just joined the army uh, but he was younger than i was and i was like oh lucky you you can join the army unfortunately my chance has sort of gone gone away it's no longer possible and guess what? <laughs> a few, a couple of years uh, down the line, um, the the opportunity presented itself because the the armed forces of Malta increased their age limit, and you could now be twenty seven and join the army. 
And guess what? I said, if I don't take this opportunity now, I was just 26 or almost 27 when this happened. And I was, it's either now or never. I'm either going to do it now or I'm going to lose the opportunity once again. So your friends, your family, you had a career. Yes. (laughs) What on earth did they say when you said, okay, I'm taking a total diversion here from my career that I still love, and I'm going to sign up for officer training for the armed forces of Malta? Yes. Well, they were all a bit shocked, you know, or maybe shocked isn't the right word, but everyone was like, woman, what are you doing to yourself? But... (laughs) But, you know, truly, honestly, I've never, although I knew there were, going to, there, were go, there were sacrifices to be made and I knew that I was going to leave something behind me, which I loved and which I enjoyed doing till that date, I knew that this wasn't really going to be, you know, I didn't have to stop loving archaeology. I didn't have to stop doing archaeology to do this. And I said, maybe, maybe one day I get to do them both or enjoy both of them. It's proven a bit more difficult than I thought, or maybe it's not, it's not, it doesn't come as natural. But yes, I still consider myself to be an archaeologist and I still love archaeology with my heart. You have the biggest smile on your face, <laughs> I have no doubt. You mentioned there uh, about making that choice. What it was the motivation? You, you talked about the fact that, you know, it, it, it came along and you had this, I, this opportunity and it was the last opportunity and suddenly it arose and you took that opportunity and you embraced it with both hands. But what was the motiv- motivation for doing that? Why the armed forces? Well, to be very honest, whenever I have... I, I admire everyone who works in, in the service sector and I do believe that these people can never be thanked enough. But something about the armed forces, I had never, for instance, I had never considered the, the police corps. Then again, I was part of, a, I still am part of a volunteer rescue team. So I've always had that, um, uh, that, that love for activity, outdoor work, helping others where you can, making yourself useful, definitely. And I think the army, in my head, brought it all together back then. And seven years down the line, I can confirm it. It does bring everything back together. All of this, the helping other people, the making yourself useful, the discipline, the uniform, the community work, which now in these COVID times, everyone can even see with their own eyes. Um, Because I think that was one thing with the army which intrigued me. You don't... you didn't see an awful lot of them before. Um, you'd see policemen around, you'd see the, the, the civil protection when the need arises, but soldiers were sort of a little bit more behind the scenes. And I think that is what the military is all about after all, um, especially in the context of Malta, where um, thankfully the military doesn't need to go out and use force out in the public, um, perhaps you tend to see less of them. Thankfully, nowadays, the army is working miracles with um, outreach and the people know much more about the army now than they used to know seven years ago. And that I think that is a very nice thing. That's a beautiful thing. But uh, I think the, intri- the, the intriguing factor was itself a plus, you know, back then. You mentioned when I asked if anybody had an opinion about this, you mentioned that you were asked, woman, what are you doing? (laughs) So that raises two questions. Yes. Did you have any 
adverse opinion from close friends and family? Did anybody actually say, this is a mistake? I'm going to be very frank, no. No one actually probably had the guts to say it, but perhaps, perhaps <laughs> they did think it in their head. Because I do understand that for, 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 for people who love to be settled, and it's nice to be settled, and for people who um, look at me and say, okay, she has an established career, she's in her comfort zone, there should be absolutely no reason why she should want to change that. You know, so I do understand where that comes from, and I think for for people looking from outside, perhaps I do realize that they are right in thinking what she what is she on about. But to me, and knowing my own self, I know better. As in, I think I know. I was I was certain, mind you, I did have my doubts, but I was certain I was not going to regret it, and. Again, seven years down the line, I can assure you, not a single bit. Seven years down the line, you still have a massive smile on your face, which, <laughs> which I'm thrilled for. Your energy is incredible. But you also mentioned in that statement, and whether you did it on purpose or whether you did it uh, subliminally, you mentioned the word woman. And of course, the armed forces in any country, even here in Malta, is dominated by men. So did that ever phase you? Did you ever think to yourself, you were a woman going into the armed forces? Not really. Honestly, not really. I think I had already been in a community. I had, I had surrounded myself with enough good people who helped me not feel that, that um, disadvantage, if you, if you may call it that. I had never been put in a situation where I genuinely felt I was at a disadvantage because I was a woman. But I've had my struggles and I realized more than once that being a woman gives you that extra challenge. It might not make things impossible for you. And let's face it, it's, it doesn't really, in Malta, thankfully, it doesn't really hold you back. But... There might be an extra couple of things you have to do, more than men, perhaps, or an extra couple of things you have to think of, an extra couple of things you have to worry about. Would something be simply more difficult just because I am a woman? And you do think about it, you do mull over it, you do think twice, three times before doing things, maybe just because we are women. But in the long run, I think it boils down to the individual, be it woman, men. It does boil down to how much effort you are willing to put into it, how much enthusiasm you are willing to put, to put into it, how passionate you are about it. I think if you, if you really focus on what really matters and on what people ask of you as an individual, not as woman or men, then I think it's pretty much doable for everyone. We've heard this over and over and over again over the last couple of months. And we'll come back to it because I'm going to ask you about this right at the very end. But whether we've been talking to very successful politicians, female politicians or businesswomen or homemakers or entrepreneurs, they've all said exactly what you've said and that it's not impossible for women. In actual fact, that women do have some advantages over men, but that you have to apply yourself and change your vision and your mental approach to the role because you may face challenges that your male counterparts don't yes yes 
I would say, I, I was tempted to say, yes, unfortunately. But I think in the long run, it actually makes you a better person and a stronger one, which is why women are so much better at doing these things than men, if I may. And in saying that, <laughs> you've just said exactly what the other successful women that we've had on this show have said. They've actually said it's not a disadvantage. You shouldn't count it as a as a knockback or as a something that's going to uh, demotivate you. There are advantages and there are opportunities because you are a persistent and hungry woman who wants that career. We are coming back to that, but let's get off gender just for a second. Just talking about the armed forces in general, talking about uh, being in the army in general, what are the advantages? Uh, not even talking about your recent part of the career, but just in general, what are the advantages? And then also what are the challenges of being in the armed forces? You talked about the uniforms. I'm pretty sure the uniforms are amazing. <laughs> yes. Well, I think like with everything else perhaps, but particularly um, with the military, military life is what you make of it. What's 100% sure is that it gives you ample opportunities, lovely opportunities. You become a family and it appears that you have already met my, my family at work. Um, and you, you can see it. You live it. We live it every day. You have to become a family because you work with, this people, with these people day in, day out. Most of the time, you're spending longer hours with them than the average worker. Um, sometimes you even have to spend nights if you're on duty. So you are, you, you, you are seeing your, your, your workmates, your colleagues, from way more different angles than the average work you know and it gives you it gives you perspective it gives you perspective on how people interact with one another how certain things can how certain things can make total difference in in uh, in the person's character one day you just don't feel it the other day you're sending sparks out of out of you simply because you are so much more enthusiastic and the fact that you have these people backing you up is 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 amazing i haven't been i've i've had different work experiences you know but i haven't been able to feel this kind of uh, bond with with workmates as i have luckily in the army and we well, see this is incredible because you genuinely have a perspective of a career outside of the armed forces and in the armed forces because you had a successful career, Heritage of Malta, you as a curator, you you had work colleagues. So listening to you talking about this uh, aspect of the armed forces and this family that you belong to, I can appreciate is genuine because you know what it's like outside of the armed forces. Yes, and it's not, ne it's not, it's not necessarily something which... Uh everyone would love it's not something which perhaps is everyone's uh, um, idea of what work should should be like um, but I do believe it is what makes the army such a successful story and militaries everywhere say it that you have to have res respect one another integrity discipline of course because the work dictates that that we are disciplined courage to speak up, to do the things which you might not, not necessarily feel comfortable doing. And 
that is why the bonds that are made in the in, in the military are so much harder to break than bonds made anywhere else. Well, you know, I have a tiny, tiny glimpse of this because I myself had a day's training at the Armed Forces of Malta and, and I'm still a fan, <laughs> despite this day. It, it's tough. It's physically tough. But I was absolutely supported by a wonderful group of trainees, of ladies, uh, who saw me through my 12 hours on the barracks. What generally are the qualities that make a good female soldier or officer? Because you talk about this family, you talk about this resilience, you talk about this uh, direction, but these women are very special. Yes, unfortunately, it's not something that is is easily acquired and it's a difficult question to answer when you ask me which qualities oh there's a hundred qualities which the ideal officer be it male or female um, should have and I'm pretty sure that I'm not revealing a secret here that probably no one in this world has all these qualities all these perfect qualities in one person um, to be the ideal officer but I think the the idea is to be as close to the best person, the best image of yourself and the best version of yourself as you can. I think that is what makes me go through work day by day, trying to be the best version of me that I know. It's not easy and sometimes I don't even know what the best version of me is and I think the best version of everyone needs to be needs to be adapted to the situation. So obviously there are certain situations which require someone to be understanding, to be uh, as approachable as possible. And there are other situations which dictate quick reaction, perhaps more direction, assertiveness. And these 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 all these qualities don't necessarily come easily to one person at a particular time. But then that's what that's what the army tra- army trains you for. That is where you work on your on your character, on your integrity. Where the integrity you already have it, but you brush up on, especially using your own experiences and the lessons brought from from other colleagues. Where you say, mm, this is what that um, that person taught me and I think I'm going to use this principle from now on because I think it worked it worked brilliantly in this situation and you become an even better version of yourself as you go along and that is why when we see the the these officers um, who have success, huge successful stories to tell they are usually seasoned soldiers and not soldiers at a very young age because the the, the further Um, you go through your career, the better person you become on a personal level, and of course, um, the better the soldier. But none of the things you've just mentioned there, which are all very beautiful qualities, reflect my personal experience and my preconception of the armed forces, uh, which was I went and I had a a day of physical training. And I can tell you, and at the time I was training for a 168 kilometre run, and it was incredibly tough it was really hard it was physically demanding and I had paramount respect for everybody that was in that group with me Uh, but every time I did anything that was slightly wrong or even if I didn't know I had a hair on my outfit that I was wearing and so I had to drop to the ground and do 15 press-ups 
there has to be that component as well. You have to be interested in being fit. Yes, but being fit is not the most difficult part there is to it, I would say. I think what most of us soldiers um, struggle with or beginner soldiers struggle with is the change in the approach that we're usually used to. Wherever we go, if we're out with colleagues, with friends, we're not used to uh, being shouted at, we're not used to being put under pressure constantly. Maybe the physical challenges, yes, they add, of course, they add to the difficulty of the, of the task, of the job. But the fact that you are constantly put under pressure, the fact that you have to do physical challenges at the same time that you are being perhaps put under pressure psychologically, then that makes it all the more difficult. And I think that is what the, that is what the change is all about. When, you know, when we speak of changing people from civilians to military, that is exactly what this, all about, what this is all about. It is not about how many push-ups you can do only. Maybe it is a bit, there is a bit of a number involved, but in, in the end, it's how much effort you put to making yourself a better soldier, how, how willing you are to undergo all this, all this pressure and to be in it for long enough to actually say, yeah, I think I can handle this. If you decide that that is how it's going to be for a bit and you say, okay, I think I can handle this and I'm prepared to do more of this, then that is where the training becomes successful. You see, I can see that you love it because you have not stopped smiling, even when you were talking about the press-ups. And let me tell you, I was not <laughs> smiling through that episode no, that I had with the press-ups. No. But you haven't stopped smiling, so it's obviously very, very rewarding as well, even though it is challenging. You then have become very successful as an officer, but you decided to once again take your career on a curve when you answered the call to train as an AFM pilot. Iona, you've already changed your career from being in Heritage Malta to being an officer, and now you train to be a pilot as well. Had there been an inherent interest in flying? Where did this come from? Well, the interest was always there. I, I always, once again, you probably have that flame somewhere in you. You know, I have a thing. I have a thing for loving everything which is new, exciting. I'm quite an outdoorsy person. I love adventure. So my problem probably is that I'd get interested in a lot of things, most of which I will never, ever do in my life. But <laughs> when the opportunity presents itself, as it did in this case, and it was an opportunity with, which I wouldn't have missed for the world and Honestly, I think no one should miss out on it because it's, uh, it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but it seems that maybe there will be other opportunities for, for soldiers in the future. Um, what can you do? You just go for it. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> that is one way of looking at it. I, I do admit, um, you have to have, and I've said this already, you have to have a bit of a thing for giving yourself the opportunity to take the leap of faith. And I do understand that not everyone, it's, 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 it's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, and mind you, there have been doubts, there have been instances where I said, oh my God, what am I doing? Is this, 
does, will this work out? Am I doing a mistake? I do ask these, these questions to myself, you know. But it's, I seem to get proven right the whole time, <laughs> you know. I seem to get this proof over and over again that when you get the opportunity, you should go out there and take it. Well, I don't, perhaps there might be instances where you say, mm, maybe that was a bit too rash. And I don't, I don't exclude that there might be opportunities in the future that I take and they happen to be the wrong ones. But until now, that hasn't happened. And I haven't had one single moment of regret. So what are you actually doing at the moment? You're training to be an a AFM pilot. You're training, you've had to relocate to yes, Italy as well. I mean, this is not just, I'm going to train to be a pilot. This is, I'm going to train to be a pilot, a female pilot in the armed forces Malta, and I'm going to relocate to another country. Yes, it comes with the, with the, with the whole package, doesn't it? Once such a new opportunity presents itself, you'd have to be ready to, to be flexible, of course, I was ready to be, I, I had my own limits, of course, but I was already waiting for uh, a certain amount of change and that certain amount of change did involve having to relocate. And that's, that's where it all started. You start preparing, you start mentally um, preparing for the big change. You start saying your last, well, perhaps not goodbyes, but you start preparing your family your support system behind you that you might be going away for a while, perhaps you'll be coming back, coming and going for, for bits. But uh, I think as long as you have the support system that I just mentioned, you know, people will never... If the support system is a good one, and I, I am blessed to have a very good support system around me, um, they will never put you down. They will probably roll their eyes back and say, ah, oh, she's at it again. And uh, here we go again, we're going to be patient again and we're going to have to change our lives again because I must say, it involves a lot of change, not only to you personally, but to the people around you. So they have to change their schedules, they have to come pick you up at airports, they have to wait for you while you are abroad. You have to disappear for periods of time and then come back and create havoc in their lives again because you're suddenly back home for a bit, you know, so... It does, it does have its, uh, I don't know, disadvantages, I don't know what to call them. But I've always found people that are willing to help me out with this. And I've been, as I said, I've been very lucky with the support system that I have. And But you're on this great adventure to become a pilot yes. for the Armed Forces of Malta. Can you just explain to me in real basic terms, I mean, it sounds like you fly planes for the Armed Forces of Malta, but what does that actually mean? You're going to be based in Malta or you're going to be going a plane? Do we have planes in, in Malta for the Armed Forces? Yes, yes. Um, the Armed Forces of Malta are currently equipped. They have, they have uh, both planes and helicopters. In fact, I'm, I'm training to become a, a helicopter pilot. That will be pretty much what I will be doing. It says it on the tin piloting but for the moment I have to I have to train I have to reach the, the required level and all the training is taking place abroad in Italy so that is why I've been gone for for quite a bit now and I've been receiving my training so the end goal is to come back to Malta and of to be course. a helicopter pilot sure yes so you're going to be doing rescue or or what are you going to be doing there's there's um there's 
so much work that goes on behind the scenes with the Armed Forces of Malta and, of course, the pilots, both of the airplanes and the helicopters. They have to be flexible in doing an awful lot of different kinds of missions. But yes, that will be it. I look very forward to coming back and actually start working back with my my family, my my old family and my new family now, because um, obviously I have have had to change uh, the unit because I was based at the training school first and now I'm going to be based at the air wing. It's going to be an entirely different kind of work, but it's still going to be with the Armed Forces of Mola and that's perfect balance to strike. It's a change of career a bit, but I'm still doing my uh, my initial my initial intention you know i'm still i'm still at it Iona, this is so, so exciting. <laughs> I'm really, really thrilled for you. And when you talked about going to the air wing, again, I, I'm coming back to this question of women because we're talking about women. A lot of women in the air wing? Are there a lot of women in the army? Perhaps we can do better yet. But yes, there are. There's, there's excellent people doing excellent jobs, excellent women doing excellent jobs. And uh, I think it, this can only go in one direction can't it? It, it? it can only get better from here. To kind of round things up, I'm going to go back to a question that I intimated I would ask you about 10, 15 minutes ago. And over the past months on the show, we've had a variety of women, business women, successful ministers, entrepreneurs, stating over and over again that we need to see more women role models breaking boundaries in order to inspire other women to do the same. Whether it be Dr. Miriam Darley, whether it be Helga Alul, whether it be Sue Wienick, they all said, when you see a woman doing that job, you are immediately inspired that if somebody else can do it, you can consider doing it. Even if you don't do it, it breaks that boundary that that is out of your reach. So how would you inspire other women to follow this bold path that you have or something as courageous as you have done? What would you say to inspire women? Well, I think they have to find it in themselves. Most of the time, you already have what it takes. I think if all the women in Malta would spend two minutes looking at the mirror, asking themselves, what would I imagine myself doing? What is the most adventurous thing that I think I am capable of doing. If they really if they really want to be genuine with themselves, then they probably know that they already have enough qualities to be empowered. They they don't need empowerment from outside. They already have what it takes, probably. I think what the issue is most of the time is and and you did you did mention this. You said you see other women and you say, okay, then if I see her doing that, then perhaps I can do it. And that is what the problem is most of the time. That the fact that we are not used to seeing so many women doing such fantastic work, the idea doesn't even occur to most women out there. And that's that's where the problem lies. Because once you see someone else do it, then say, oh. Perhaps that's that's a thing for me. And you consider it. When I was five, eight and ten years old, I didn't consider being a soldier because you simply didn't think of it as a possibility, you know, because soldiers are for boys and toy soldiers are for boys and being a soldier is being a boy. And that's that's how we grew up, you know. And I'm not I'm not here to, you know, 
sensationalize or say how difficult it was to change the mentality and whatnot. It, they, they, they just were different times and our way of thinking has changed, has evolved, thankfully, throughout the years. And suddenly things that we didn't even consider doing because they didn't even occur to us suddenly become very possible, very real and very exciting. I think what you just mentioned there as well, you talked about times changing. And I think we're still on that journey of times changing, not just in Malta, I think anywhere in the world. Some countries are more progressive than others, but we are still on a journey as women. And I think what you're doing, whether or not you're aware of it or whether or not it's a motivation for you, is an incredible inspiration for other women. I'm really excited for you. I'm super excited to see you flying around you. over our skies. I'll be looking up, but if it's you, I'll be waving and cheering and shouting you on. Iona, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank, thank you, you for being so inspirational. Thank you for having me. But also I'm wishing you the very, very best. Thank you so much and well done for all this fantastic work.